Folks, what's happening? Dara here, the Happy Coach. Welcome to another episode of the Happy Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Kerry Flatterty. And I met Kerry just on Saturday gone. She was doing a running workshop with David Roach. And I was so impressed by her professionalism and how she conducted herself. And Kerry is an Olympic Irish runner. And she competes primarily in 3,000 meters steeplechase. But she runs 70 miles a week as well, which I was shocked when she said that to me. And... Mm-hmm. Kerry's so, so professional, like one of the main things I took away from was her professionalism and how she just, her routine, her schedule and her mindset around everything. And Kerry's competing in the 2015 World Championships and is the 2016 Rio Olympic Games. And she's also a PE teacher and has an alpaca farm, as, so I was made aware of just recently enough. And it's her birthday <laughs> today. So happy birthday, Kerry. And thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Ah, perfect. Yeah, so I suppose, Kerry, obviously you're an Olympic athlete. You're at the... Olympic Games in Rio. So, like, my first question is, what's it like being at the Olympics as an athlete? Or, like, you know, the process, like, of the atmosphere, everything, I suppose. Yeah, um, well, I suppose, you know, the process and getting to there, you know, that's the, that's the pinnacle of any, you know, sports person's career. They, they sort of, they, the ultimate is to, to reach the, the Olympic Games. Um, so, you know, being there was was absolutely amazing um, from going in and living in a village with all of other sports people from all over the world. You know, that's that's something that was really, really strange because the, the, the village is like, um, it's, I suppose it's, it is like a, a small village anywhere with sort of skyscrapers that you actually go and um, you live in them, you know, mm. while you're there. So really you don't want to be in the village too early so um maybe just um a week before competition we were brought from our holding camp into the village um we shared one of the one of the blocks with new zealand um so it's amazing actually being there and you really sort of have to pinch yourself sometimes that you're you know you're sitting there um you know with with a lot of famous athletes you know the the big mm. the big names everybody you know eating together um being in the gym together and so on um it's 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 a bit of a crazy world you know once you go into that um olympic village and uh, then you sort of have to keep your head right until your own competition and then it's about support, supporting other people while you're there as well um but yeah it's it's strange you know the, the village was that big that you could hop on um, a little bus and get taken around to the different venues you know the, <laughs> the food hall the gym and so on and you know it, it's that big that they even have their own mcdonald's in the middle, obviously we we didn't go to the McDonald's, you know, until you know competition had finished. You mm. know, we were in the McDonald's for a treat after that. But even at that, you know, the, the queues were horrendous. Um, and, and by the time we queued, we were too hungry, so we just went to the normal canteen. Um, mm. So yeah, it's it's um, you have your own wee apartment blocks, and um, you know, with your own team, and and, and that's nice. Um, and they try and, you know, room the sports people together, you know, the athletics people were roomed together and so on. Um, but, um, you know, it really is, um, it was a great atmosphere. And then Olympic Stadium um, was just something else, you know, when you go and it was sort of like um, the long walk from the, the, the warm up area to the call room area. And then that long walk underneath the stadium um, was I guess really, really nerve wracking. Um, until then, you were you were bought brought out into the main stadium. Um, you know, with thousands of people looking down on you. It was like I suppose the only way to explain it is like you know you're 
I suppose, you know, maybe a, a musician coming out into a concert mm. and all those people, um, you know, there to, to cheer you on and listen to you and so on, you know, all the people there about watching you. Um, it, it really is amazing. And, you know, I, I did get a taster for it going to the Commonwealth Games in 2014. Um, you know, the, the stadium was full in Glasgow. And then um, when it came to the World Championships in, in Beijing in 2015, you know, that was the next stepping stone to really... Um, getting yourself prepared for those big, massive crowds and, um, you know, the whole, the whole atmosphere as well. Yeah. And, you know, so, like, when I met you on Saturday, I was like, you had a bit of, what, a glow, I suppose, you know, like, your professionals in sports about you. you. You can just tell by body language and just how you conduct yourself. You know, when you were seeing, like, the, the high-level athletes at the Rio Games, like, mm-hmm. did you notice something like that from, like, you know, you can just tell, like, yeah, they're good at what they do in a sense yeah i guess i guess everybody's that way you know um and actually you know going to rio and 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 those bigger competitions where you have other sports people there mm. and not just athletics you know so the world championships for me was athletics europeans with athletics um so when it, when it came to the, the olympics you know there were so many other sports people so it was really nice yeah. actually being there and you know um being there and learning about the other sports, you know, learning about um, the, the, especially our rowers, you know, that, you know, it was fantastic watching them um, in our building. And, you know, when they, when they won their medal, it was, you know, it was just unbelievable. But it just, um, it's just interesting to see all the different sports people and, you know, how other sports, sports prepare, you know, for their event and so on. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, everybody, you know, it's sort of the pinnacle of their career. Everybody mm. has invested so much time and effort into, the, into their sport. So, you know, everybody has a professionalism about it. Um, uh, you know, they look after themselves. Everybody's, um, you know, eating well, sleeping well and so on. Um, and the partying happens afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but everybody, you know, is sort of all, all in the same um, frame of mind um, but what I find you know with the Irish team the, the support was fantastic like um, the O'Donovan brothers I, I don't think had ever been to watch athletics before so when their competition was over you know they were supporting us within our events oh, they, were coming to, they were coming to the stadium and um, I don't think the boys had ever you know been in that type of athletic atmosphere before I think they'd maybe watched it on the, on the television and so on um, but I think the boys were, were in awe of you know get, going to the being in the stadium and watching the track events um, and then having the chat with them and, and how they trained and how we trained and so on um, and I, I guess the Olympics is sort of you get, you get to meet people from all over the world from all different sports that, that you may, may have never have met in your life um, and you get a real understanding um, um, about you know how, how people train and, and, and how how people live but um, I, I guess it's always the same you know this is athletics has been my job um, and you know most of these sports people are professional sports people in a way and mm. um, now you know athletics is an amateur sport so you know, we don't we don't get paid for what we do but um, um, it's just you know it's just great to get a, an eye opener of all the different sports and you know how how they prepare and so on yeah that's really interesting. And like with a big part of what I do in my business, or sorry, with one of my business, the Happy Program, basically, it's kind of mindset for young men. And when you touched on your injury on Saturday, I was kind of touching on with your self-talk. So, you know, when you got injured, you couldn't train, when you hurt your foot and you couldn't train for a few months. Mm-hmm. What was your what what was your kind of like your thought patterns like? Did you have any like with your mental health somewhat deteriorating? Like you feel negative thoughts coming in, or like how were you dealing with everything? I suppose. Yeah, 
Um, so when I broke my foot back in September, um, I was in a race in Spain and uh, first lap of the of the the race. And um, I'm going to pause you there when we second. One of my dogs is crying and oh, scratching yeah. and whining <laughs> at the door. They're crying. I've been edited anyway. It's all good. She's terrible. She's terrible. She was whining for me. <laughs> anyway, they'll, they'll, set, they'll settle now. Hopefully they'll settle now. <laughs> anyway, and out, out the window, we've got um, the alpacas um, rolling about and, and, and waiting for me to come out and feed them as well. Looking, anytime they see me at the windows, they want food. Um, so um, that's, the, that's the menagerie all settled now. <laughs> yeah, so in September, I broke my foot. Um, I was pushed in the back when I was going over one of the hurdling one of the barriers um, at the very start of the race, and I landed on my lead leg foot. Um, I felt a horrendous pain, and I did let a scream out, um, but um, I didn't fall over. I didn't fall down, you know. So you know, my, my foot just popped back up, and I guess on my own head um, with the whole adrenaline rush, I didn't know whether it was a sprain or. Or what it was um, so you know like like most runners and um, when they maybe sprain an ankle or something they, they run on so I actually ran on <laughs> I ran on for three and a half laps um, with um, a broken foot and so all in all I think I maybe went over about you know 14 barriers and uh, mm. three you know three three water jumps at, at that and then really realized that you know the pain the pain was there and um, it wasn't shaken off and um, that you know, I could feel that my mechanics weren't right. I wasn't, I wasn't fluid in my running, and um, so um, I stepped off the track. And I think that's the one and only time I have stepped off the track. And I'm sorry, this one's crying. <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> I've just put her under a blanket. Hopefully, that's okay. <laughs> Um, so I stepped off the track and that was the first time ever I had, I think in my whole career had, you know, not finished a race and, um, you know, things have gone wrong in races before and, um, you know, I've, I've run on and, um, you know, I had an accident in a steeplechase race before as well, where, where the barrier wasn't, the water jump barrier wasn't stable. Um, and I came down and hit my leg on that when the barrier wobbled um, and I ran on and finished that race. That was just before I was trying to qualify for the Commonwealth Games. Um, so it was the first time I'd um, stepped off the track and then, you know, the first thing in my head was this, this, this feels like it's broken. You know, it was like no pain I'd ever experienced before. And as soon as I stopped, um, I couldn't walk. Um, I, I didn't, I really didn't know what to do, you know, cause, um, you know, I, I don't speak much Spanish or any Spanish really. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I had a friend, um, from GB up in the crowd, um, Amy Pratt and she, she usually does steeplechase, but she ran 1500 that night. I asked her to come down. She came down and helped me hobble off the track. Um, so take her to hospital, <clears throat> found out it was broken got home the next day on a plane um, and really had to start the process there of, okay, what do I do? What type of a break is it? Um, will it heal on its own? Will it not? But I find out from um, seeing my consultant, um, Alistair Wilson, that it was a Jones fracture and I needed a screw put in there to heal the break. Um, so I guess, you know, I knew at that stage, that was September, so I knew, you know, obviously the rest of the season was over. Um, but then it was having the discussion with him whether I could get ready for Tokyo 2020. 
Um, he embedded the screw into my bone so that I would have a chance of making uh, the 2020 Olympics um, and that he wouldn't have to take that screw out. So it was sort of, um, you know, full steam ahead with the, with the rehab. And as soon as I was allowed to, you know, um, be in the pool, be on a cross trainer, spin bike, um, Alter G, anti-gravity machine um i was i was i was doing all that you know i was getting mm. all the cross training done um i was getting the gym work done um first off you know obviously um i wasn't allowed to do a lot of stuff until the the wound had healed and things um so you know even after i think it was maybe like um three or four days or so you know when i was i was back in my own house um because my mom my mommy had taken me in to look after me <laughs> <laughs> after the operation so um you know back in my own house and i have a, a little mini gym here at home and you know i was just doing you know all the body weight stuff so i was basically just you know sitting in a chair and um you know a few weights and so on and then i progressed on to the, the rowing machine um where i was on a rowing machine and um i got a, a skateboard off ebay so the the injured foot was on a skateboard rolling back and forth you know while the other leg worked on the rowing machine um so i was really building things up and, and by january i was good and i was away warm weather training in spain and you know things were really on track the only thing that we did was we didn't gradually bring the running in like I usually would with an injury. Mm. Um, we sort of went full steam ahead with, I need to be fit. I need to get fit. So, you know, race fit quickly. And um, because we knew, you know, I would be racing by June. Um, so we would session every other day. Um, and the, the, um, the other days I would, I would cross train. So I would be in the pool. I would be, um, um on a on a on a bike on a cross trainer and so on um so we we would we would session <laughs> yeah. and uh so things came back well and things came back fast and i was in really really good shape um the foot didn't like the slower running so when i started to do the faster running the tempo work the fart like work you know the foot was all good with that um the heart and lungs you know all came back healthy very very fast um but when I was trying to get the miles in for the slower runs, then, you know, the foot, the foot sort of wasn't really happy. Um, so I really had to go back to the surgeon and say, look, we've, we've tried to do this, we've tried to do that. We then tried to bring the hurdles in and um, the foot just the foot just, just wasn't really happy. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the surgeon said it may be that the, the screw is making the foot a little bit too rigid. So um, we decided in February that we'd get the screw out of the foot, but that meant that Tokyo 2020 would probably come too soon. Um, really trying to get back, as soon as the screw was coming out, then the bone would be hollow and I would have to go through a whole healing process again and be very, very careful um, because the, the break had healed, but then you would be left with a hollow bone and then it would have to fill in. Um, you know, so, you know, he, the surgeon said to me, like, you know, it's very unlikely that I will have you jumping. You know, he says, you, you can be back running in five weeks, five, six weeks, you can be back running. Um, but actually, you know, jumping and putting impact on that foot, you know, I don't want that for, you know, a little while after that. Um, so at that stage, I think, you know, after I went for that operation, I sort of really hit a low point um, that, you know, you know, the Olympics aren't happening. Um, you know, you know, what am I doing with myself? You know, I'm, 
and sort of getting back from injury here. We've been here before, but you know, at at the age of thirty eight, like maybe that's the career. Maybe you know the pinnacle mm. was you know the world championships. You know, I've made a Commonwealth Games. I've made the Olympics, and and maybe maybe that's it. But then the other side of my head was saying, well, look, don't you're 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 not done with this that yet. You know, um, you have you know, this is an accident that's happened. It hasn't been your fault. You haven't broken a bone because of under eating. You haven't, you know, you haven't made a mistake and you haven't overtrained. And this has happened and this is just one of those freak accidents. And, you know, you know, don't let running be done with you until you're done with the running. Mm. Um, so at that, at that stage, I sort of, um, knew I really needed to get a sports psychologist involved then because I was sort of really hitting low points where, I was, um, you know, back in the gym and, and doing some cross training so I could get myself ready and, and the, the cardio system would be fit for when the running could come in. Um, but part of me was saying, why am I doing this? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make the Olympics, you know, this summer. So, um, you know, I'm, and really, will I push it on another four years after that? Um, yeah. Well, why, why am I doing this to myself? You know, why am I beating myself up about it? You know, why, you know, why am I really busting, busting the gut? Um, and, you know, going and um, getting my sports, psych- uh, sports psychologist, um, Gary Locke involved, Locke, um, Gary, Gary, Gary Longwell. <laughs> um, Gary, Gary Locke's uh, Paul Radcliffe's husband. <laughs> um, I got Gary Longwell involved um, in the Sports Institute in Northern Ireland. Um, and Gary was a, was a great help. Um, the fact was that we didn't know, you know, before I went for the operation to get the screw out, whether that would make a difference. That was a gamble, whether that was going to make a difference or not. Um, the, the foot, we could have taken it out and the foot might have felt the same. Um, uh, running wasn't, wasn't really comfortable. It didn't feel fluid, you know, when I had the screw in. So I just thought, right, let's, you know, let's, let's go for it really. Mm. Um, but then, you know, there was all that, you know, sitting in the house and thinking, you know, what am I doing? (laughs) Did, you know, do I want to do this to myself time and time again? Um, and, you know, having the sports psychologist in, in place, you know, was, was a really good thing because he sort of came from the from the outside of my training bubble um and could put things in place for me um that sort of really helped me sort of outline what I was going to do you know so there was different scenarios you know scenario a was that you know okay right you're you're not going to run again competitively um so what does Kerry do next you know um where's Kerry's career right now you know I I teach part-time and and so on but he's like right do you really want to do that or do you go on to the next thing so um I guess um Gary had the plan for the exit from sport um, as such um, mm. and then he also had the scenario that okay you know you, you get you get back running here um, but you're not able to do the competitive side anymore that you know that, that the foot's still sore but you can get away with just being healthy every day and exercising or then you know that the next scenario was that you know I, I get I get back and what would the next target be you know obviously Tokyo 2020 was coming too soon so what would the next target be for me and and you know I picked a Euro Euro cross which is hopefully in um, Dublin this December yeah um so you know that was really good when you know he could outline for me you know what what I suppose you know it's 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 really hard you just see the doom and gloom all the time you know when something like this happens to you um but for somebody to sit there and pinpoint right you know a b c here's your scenarios 
And no matter what happens, you know, you can, you know, still go down the line of a career, you can still be happy and, and, and so and so on. Um, but he made sure I also had other things in place while, you know, the rehab and all was going on. Um, you know, I have, I have animals at home. So um, I've started um, farming alpacas and I, and I have six. Um, I've got a couple of goats and um, I've got my dogs. And, and I must say, you know, during, you know, lockdown and during, because I was, I was in lockdown and, and rehabbing. Mm. Um, and all of a sudden not being able to see the physio after um, having second surgery. Um, so like having my dogs here to go through that walk, but you know, the, the return to running again, sort of the, the walk jog, return mm. to running and sort of having somebody there rather than being on your own as such. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. You know, I suppose, you know, some people can put their music on and things. Um, other people might have somebody to go out with them. Um, but um you know it was locked down you weren't really supposed to be with anybody um so it was it was it was great for me that I actually had my animals there I had something to mm. distract me but when I went to do my walk jog and, and returned to running I had, I had the dogs there as well so it was just putting you know different you know coping strategies in place for for everything and like don't get me wrong it wasn't all you know happy clappy after that yeah yeah you know, yeah I did have days where I would sit there and I would get my exercise done and then I'd just have my lunch um, and I'd just sit here where I'm sitting now um, and I'd just watch the animals out the window. Um, but in the back of my head, I knew I had things to do. You know, I could be, you know, um, writing my blogs. I, you know, I, I had lots of things to do, mm. but um, I just got to a point where I didn't want to do them. Um, and then it was getting Gary Longwell in place again that, you know, I was like, right, you know, what, what's, what's happening to me now? You know, I've got things in place. I've got, um, the return to run in place. Um, but I, I do my training and I come home and I sit here and he's like, well, what, what would you usually be doing? And, you know, usually I'd be traveling to the physio or traveling to the gym or so on. And, um, you'd have your coffee chats with your friends. So he's like, right, you know get your zoom in place with your coffee chats with your friends and, and and do this this and this and um he says the best thing for you is i want you to get up in the morning have your breakfast and write a list and you know it seems really really simple but basically you know pen to paper i find if i put a lot of stuff on my phone or ipad or computer yeah, it, forget it, about kind of like it gets lost it gets <laughs> lost but yeah. i find you know for gary bringing me back to old school getting a bit of paper and writing, <laughs> basically just writing a list of, and he says, just, just simple things. Um, so like one of them was, one of them was gardening. One of them was, you know, getting out and, and weeding the garden. Um, you know, another one was trying to train the alpacas on their leads. Um, another one was maybe write a blog. So it was sort of like a realistic list for the day. Like you wouldn't put 20 things down. There may have been only five things on there. Um, mm. And throughout the day, then I was to, to tick, tick everything off the list. Um, and if I didn't get something done, I had to write down why. Um, and then I'd catch up with Gary on the phone and we, we'd discuss. And, and there were days I didn't get it done because I was so busy. Um, mm. And other days, there were days that I didn't get it done because I sort of slumped into that um, right, I've done my run, um, I've had my lunch, and now I'm sitting here, and I don't really want to do anything else now. Um, just, like, motivation for a long time was at a low. Yeah. Um, and I guess, for me, it was hard, you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I interact with an awful lot of people. I'm a very sociable animal, so I guess it was hard in a way um, 
sort of being totally cut off then from, you know, socializing even with your, your you know, your physio, um, you know, S&C coach, you know, just, just small things like that. Whereas I'd be meeting maybe, uh, you know, at least five people a day doing different things with, with the running. Um, so I guess, you know, that was hard in a way. Um, my coach and partner, Richard, who lives with me, um, he was here in the house, but obviously he was working from home. So he was doing his full-time job from home. Whereas, um, everything had sort of just stopped for me in a way um mm. schools had closed so I wasn't teaching um so but in a way that that was the whole focus was on the on the rehab and getting back running which was good um and then we find out that you know to- Tokyo was postponed till next year um which you know was it was a good thing for me um obviously there's lots of athletes out there that you know it's it's devastating for them because mm. they had got their Olympic qualifier um it was maybe their first Olympics um, but for me, it was a slight blessing in disguise that, you know, I've had this opportunity to be given this extra year. Yeah. Um, so I guess that was a, that was a big motivation for me, um, which was really, really good. And in a way, then I knew I could just take this really, really gradually and, you know, get back healthy and strong. And um, really, stri- because there was no races then, I mean, I knew there was going to be no races happening. You know, I could strip everything back. Um, David mm. Roach really, really helped me, um, you know, put, you know, the, sort of the, the exercises in place, you know, because I, I didn't have any hands-on physio. Um, so, you know, things were tightening up. You know, I was getting back to running, but then all those extra niggles come in. Um, mm. because I hadn't run really properly, you know, since September when the, when, when the break had happened. Um, you know, so um, the Zoom calls were great with David, but he can, you know, have a chat to me, see where the areas were that were tight. And, and he was like, right, we're going to strip everything back, right? Here's the exercise plan. Let's go with this. Here's the activation before every run. Um, here's your core. Here's bits of the gym. Um, you know, so that was really good that I could have a one-on-one, um, you know, Zoom call with him and we could put things in place. And, you know, that really helped as well. Um, but it was really, you know, stripping everything back and getting the body strong again to eventually be able to build it up to 70 miles a week again and, and be strong enough you know yeah and on that as well okay then how do you go about setting goals for yourself like like you know obviously you would have had like um tokyo as a goal but mm-hmm. in terms of like rehab or like you know goals in general like would you have like go- like professional goals in terms of your career which have goals obviously in terms of your running or what way do you kind of break down your goals or visualize them or work towards them? Yeah, so breaking down the goals sort of this time round because we sort of have there's there's a few races that have, have basically been announced now um, that we can run. The track races though will not count for Olympic qualifier, so that's that's pretty hard this year. That's um, the IAAF have have come through to basically say that um, Olympic qualifying won't start again until the 1st of December. So any track races that do come up, so the Irish Championships that are that are billed for the 22nd, 23rd of August, um, any times that are run at that won't count towards the Olympics. Um, so, so that's a bit, you know, when it comes to that, it's like, oh, you know, motivate, it's hard to motivate yourself. Yeah, of course, I'd imagine so. But at the end of the day, you are itching, you know, at this stage now, you're, you're itching for a race. Um, so really, you know, what I was looking at because, you know, um, Tokyo 2020 wasn't happening um, and, and it was doubtful I was going to be able to make that anyway. Um, I've really looked at, you know, the, the end of the year and hopefully Eurocross happening and trying to get on that Irish team for, for the Eurocross um, this year. 
um, and really then working back from that. Um, so working back, you know, um, you know, is there is there going to be maybe a couple of road races I can target in September? So you know, sort of in our plan, we put down that right there will be some races, and um, so I can do some races in September, and then come September October, head out to altitude um, to prepare at altitude um, for the cross country season. You know, come back to Ireland for the cross country season and so on. So it's really sort of looking at that end goal and then working back from that for mm. this year to start off with. Um, because we don't, we don't know, you know, how things are going to go at the moment. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah, so it, it was really working back from that and then piecing together then a training plan um, with Richard um, and, and how I was then um, going to get myself fit again. Um, so as I said, you know, I started off with a walk jog. <clears throat> we started bringing then um, our tempo running back and really we looked at it um, that I was building a, like a winter base because there wasn't going to be, you know, we didn't know and whether there was going to be any summer races. Um, so it was really getting that winter base built up first. So it was really sort of bringing the mileage up then, bringing the tempo work in. Um, and a great motivation for me was, um, you know, we put down the times I was running. So we put down, you know, I think it was back in um, March, sort of March, April time there, um, I was running... Um, seven minute myelin for tempos you know so the heart my heart rate was up at tempo heart rate and I was running seven minute myelin for tempos Um now and um, they're just last night Um I can compare um, last night's session to the the same session I did in April and I'm now 540 myelin you know wow. so, Big so yeah so we were able to you know start those sessions and then say you know three you know even a week later you know look back and see right you know i've taken you know say 15 seconds off per mile tempo running and then you know that it just it came in chunks which was really really nice but you know richard would then you know send me over via email the whole breakdown okay you did that session 21 days ago and look at the improvement the heart rate's come down the speed is the speed has got faster um so it's been that's been great as a motivation not you know have, having my own training as motivation and having um sort of getting really getting fitter and really being able to look back on a session that you know what will replicate maybe the same session every 20 something days and have a look back at, at what I ran then and, and how the heart rates were, how fit I was, and then what I'm running now. And that's been really good for my goal setting along the way and being able to, you know, look back and then be able to then plan ahead. And um, mm. right now we bring the heart lick sessions in and then close to the time that we know there's going to be a race, we start bringing some, you know, faster stuff in. And um, we've been bringing um, hill sprints in for the for the running economy and to bring that speed back into my running as well mm. um i have been back on the track but i've just been hurdling so i've been working with my hurdles coach now and that's preparation for my for my steeplechase which um i will i will see about racing you know after after december i think i'm just going to give myself that you know the whole the whole year and maybe not steeple this year um i'm thinking of running more 5000s so i think there's um a couple of races coming up um, in in August, um, which will be road races. Um, I've always loved road races, um, so um, I'm going to schedule one at the start of August um, over five thousand, five k. So um, so that's sort of like the next little goal now. Mm. Um, and at the at, you know at the minute, 
you know, from running on my own, you know, um, back in, well, with the dogs, <laughs> back in <laughs> Mar- March, April to now, you know, being back training with my, my training group, you know, is, has been great motivation as well, trying to get myself and, and some of the guys, you know, stepped down and slowed their runs down, you know, when I was getting back to, to you know, help me along the way as well, which was really good. But um, yeah, it's, it's a really strange one this year because it's really hard to goal set because usually goal setting for, for an athlete would be, you know, marking a race, you know, mm. you'd, maybe, you'd maybe run a few races in preparation for a bigger race and, and that's how you would sort of set your goals and set your plan out. Um, but for me, it's been stripping that back and because mm. I've, I've come from where I've come now with, it, with that major injury, uh, the goal set for me was, was um, making targets to try and run as fast as, as I used to run as such. Um, mm. And, you know, Richard has all my information going back years. <laughs> so Richard's even, you know, gone back to see what I was running in 2015 and 2016 when I was in the shape of my life. And he's mm. able to compare what I was running for, for those sessions back then compared to now. And we're, and we're bang on target, you know, if not, oh. we're a tiny little bit faster. Um, so that's been really, really good motivation. So it has. Yeah, um, I imagine obviously, so. Yeah, obviously I have to prepare myself for steeplechase again because that's my event. But to know endurance-wise, um, you know, the, the fitness is, is the best it's ever been, you mm. know, is, is really great. Um, and then just having to then get the head around translating that into racing again um, when, it, when it happens. But fingers crossed there's going to be a couple of races in the pipeline and um, just to, to get back there and get the feel of it yeah. again. Because race fitness is totally different from <laughs> just normal running fitness. And, you know, you've obviously got to have a couple of rusty races first as well just to blow the cobwebs too because I haven't raced since September now since I broke the foot. So, mm. yeah, it's going to be it's going to be strange. <laughs> <laughs> Well, perfectly. You know, I have one actually. One last question. I appreciate you coming on. So, mm-hmm. you know, just in terms of your kind of set to go and work backwards. So, say prior to your injury in the Corona first, because it's kind of hard. Like for yeah. me, obviously, like, like I have my own business up for that, so it's obviously goal setting. But I think a lot, a lot of people are even kind of be confused how to set goals because in case this happens or that happens. So, say prior before mm-hmm. injury, how did you? So like you would have picked it and worked backwards. Would you have like, you know, would you have a vision board of the actual goal itself? Would you write out your goals or spend time looking at them and reading them each day? Or how would you go about with your goal set? Yeah, so really goal setting for me has has always sort of really worked around um like ha- like a tra- like a training plan. Um, okay. so we would map, we would map out the training plan, um, and periodize that, you know, on, on a spreadsheet, um, and really have, have target races. Um, and then, you know, in, in the lead up to those target races, it would be targeting the mileage I'm targeting for the week, um, ses- sessions that I'd be targeting, um, during the weeks and so on. Um, and, um, my coach Richard would have, you know, um, times to hit in mind, um and and really i suppose it's it's the the big goal setting is the races and the and the smaller goal setting is meeting targets within training um and then obviously trying to keep a strong head and realizing that you know you're not always going to feel good and um, mm. you know you're you're going to have bad days and you know things get in the way as well you know you might have a bad night's sleep and so on and um you know or, you know things pop up in life all the time 
Um, so really it's, for me, it was really like, you know, planning, training and racing, you know, to, to really sort of set, set targets and, and tick those off as a go. Um, one thing with me though, that I've got to be really careful about is when I start getting fitter, I start running faster. (laughs) <laughs> and that could be that, that can be like detrimental, you know, to my my endurance physiology when I start running faster and start running in a different energy zone. So, you know, sometimes you know Richard would have to get the reins on me, you know, for certain track sessions and so on. So it's really, you know, I know now, you know, over the years we've made mistakes about running too fast in some sessions. So, um, it's it's sticking to the plan as well. You know, everybody loves to go out and do a track session and. Um, run faster and better than what the, the coach has set a target for. Um, but I've learned over the years that, you know, if, if you do that, it can be detrimental to the, the, the outcome that you really want race-wise. Um, so I guess, you know, goal setting, you know, it is good motivation if you do run faster, but, you mm. know, I, I know I've you know, got a, a good head on me now um, that I know that it, it could be the wrong thing at times. Um, so it's really sort of being strict on myself as well, as far as training goes. You know, runners, as they get fitter and do more, they want to do more miles and more miles and more miles. Um, and it's really important, you know, to sort of be very careful. Like when I was getting back there, I was, um, you know, the target was to get back to 70 miles. And there was one week um, that I ran um, 68 and a half. And, you know, I was like, oh, damn. I'll go out this evening to get the extra 1.5 in. And mm. Richard's like, no, no, you'll not. You don't need to. Don't need to. Six, six, 68 and a half is as good as 70. <laughs> the extra one mile and a half, mile and a half is not going to do anything bar have be a number in your head, you know? Mm. So it's really, it's really trying to be sensible in a way when you're goal setting as well. Um, and, it, you know, I guess that's that's something that's really hard for runners, um, you know, as the as the miles go. It's really really hard to hold yourself back sometimes when you really are fit, but you could just easily just, you know, tip over that mileage, and you know, a niggle comes on, it turns into an injury. So it's you know, it's really it's being really sensible about goal setting as well, and and, yeah. and what, what motivates you, what motivates you too. Um, but I guess yeah, the main the main thing is you know targeting those races. Um, in build up to major competitions and you know the main goal is always you know getting that vest for Ireland to run at the world championships Europeans Olympics and so on oh, perfect Harry I will I won't keep any longer I appreciate you coming on no to worries. the podcast thank you so much for the people listening or watching it depending on what platform please share it on your Instagram story and tag myself and Kerry in it um, Kerry has given some valuable gold nuggets there they're going to help a lot of people so the more people that are aware of the podcast aware that Kerry was on it sharing some of the time with us you help a lot of people out so I do appreciate that folks but yeah Kerry precise that honestly I really appreciate it thank you so much no worries thanks for having me <laughs>